You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church or service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. I suppose a good number of preachers this morning will be speaking about the road to Emmaus. Um, I love the story of the road to Emmaus, um, but I don't want to do that this morning. I want us to, I want to read with you some verses from Matthew's Gospel from chapter 26 and verses 17 to 29. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it was written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my, the, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on, until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, I am really very aware that we've already had Easter morning, um, and here I am taking you back a stage. Um, We were with you last week, uh, but uh, we joined, last Sunday morning, we joined hundreds of others, born-again Christians uh, in the Garden Tomb in Jerusalem, and celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, Messiah, while the world outside got on with their day jobs and didn't give him a second thought. Just an ordinary day. Sunday in Israel is the first day of the week, and most people were just out at work. Um, So, going back even a little bit further than that, last Friday evening, so a week past Friday, David and I went to a Cedar meal with a um, Messianic Jewish family, and I learned such a lot about the table. Now, I'd already prepared this message because I was, had been seeking the Lord and um, about what to, what to bring. Tom had said, you can speak on anything you like, and that's a new thing from Tom usually tells me, um, even if it's a bit Star Wars or something. But, you know, I got used to that. So here I was in um, Israel, but we were having um, visitors. We've had lots of visitors, and that's been brilliant. Um, but we had Ron and Leslie, who are not here this morning. Ron and Leslie were coming out. So I knew I really had to get before the Lord and get this message. Um, and, and it just seemed to me that the Lord was impressing this scripture on me. On me. 
And then once I had done it and I thought, Lord, that's great. I know what I'm speaking about. I know what I want to say. I'm all prepared. And then suddenly it was Easter weekend and I was hit with all these other things that I'd never done before. Because normally we've been in, we've had, that was our fourth Easter in, is it fourth? Fourth, something like that. Um, Easter in um, Israel. And, but we've never gone to any kind of Passover meal or, or anything. And this year we were invited to um, this, this lovely home. And as I, was, as I was looking and listening to what was, what was happening at the ta- at the, around that table, it was a Messianic Jewish home, so, um, but they were very Jewish and they wanted to do it right. And I suppose in lots of ways what was really good for us is there was two young children there and they were making it very applicable for them as well so that they understood what was going on. So that was great because it made it applicable for for me and I could understand it. So um, when one of the cups that they drank was about the plagues that had come to free, then then onto our table were throwing all these um, plastic lice and um, frogs and whatever else was going on. So it it was absolutely amazing. And then last Sunday afternoon, we attended um, another cedar meal, uh, the, the Passover meal, and um, again it was it was in the congregation that we go to, the church that we go to, um, and they, they laid it out because a good number of people um, are Jewish there. Now it's been such an amazing experience in Israel because before I went to, um, before David and I went to um, Israel, I didn't know a single Jewish person, not one. Um, I didn't know very many Arabs either, and now suddenly, you know, these are uh, the people that we mix with um, every day. But going to the church that we go to um, is, is a fantastic church for, um, for, for, for the Word. Um, we've got amazing teachers in, in the church, but we are learning <laughs> such a huge amount um, about what we feel about this church as well as how things are going um, in Israel. And once we're, we're back for good, which is not all that long away, um, there's certainly many testimonies that I want to um, share with you. Some very, very difficult times that we've gone through and some amazing times. And, and over this last week has been these amazing times when God has just really opened, opened my eyes, and I'm sure David as well, um, to see what, how, how much there is that we can learn from the Old Testament um, and, and things that happen and, and the, Jew, the, the Jewish um, festivals, just, just you know, so, so amazing. So in the afternoon last week, we, on, on Sunday afternoon, um, we had this Passover meal, Messianic, but um, very Jewish in how it was all done. And many such meals will have been held in Jewish families across the world. And most will not have given any thought whatsoever to Jesus, Messiah. As one of my teachers said to me one time, I I said, but does it not make you think that maybe Jesus is who he said he was? He said, Margaret, Jesus doesn't come into your thinking at all. You can keep him. So, we had a very blessed weekend last week. because one of the things that I realised, even as, as Paul had said that to me, and as as, uh, and as we were looking at, as I was looking at my staff that were getting ready for Passover and so on, um, I thought, you know, a day is coming when they will recognise who he is, and they will know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we, we had that very blessed week and it was great having Ron and Leslie to share that with you. Um, but this morning is not to bring our um, Israel memories to you. I want you to, to focus on what the scripture is saying and what this table is saying to us. The table always reminds us of what Jesus did for us at Calvary. Amazing. Amazing. Who would do that for us? Who would do that for yeah. me? I know David loves me, but to do that, you know, I love him. Could I do that? But Jesus loves us yeah, and did that, did that for us, you know. <coughs> I was thinking that old hymn, just that the half has never yet been told. And I, I, I thought, you know, that's what it is. But with that table and with that realisation of what God has done for us, surely there comes some responsibilities for us as well. And the responsibility, I believe, is that Jesus has done this for us and we need to be telling others. You know, it's extremely easy in Israel to, um, to, to speak about religion, to speak about, to speak about God, to speak about Jesus, um, because every, everybody's got an opinion. Everyone's religious. Yeah. Even those that are not religious think they're religious. And so, so everyone's got an opinion and it's, and, and it's yes, really yes. very easy to talk about. It's not a taboo subject, you know, here, what do people say, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion. Um, mm. But there, no, every, every, everyone's got an opinion. Um, and, and, you know, what God has been impressing on me recently is understanding um, communion must make us want to share Jesus with others. Looking at this table, communing with God is not just something that's for us and that we need to hold to ourselves. It's for everyone. So, the, you know, the Jewish people celebrate a, a good number of festivals instigated by God. They're all there in scripture and all of them are celebrated. They're special days, there's holi they're holidays. And most Jewish people know what they mean. Even if they know what they're celebrating, even if they would not consider themselves to be um, Jewish believers. And the Passover is one such festival. And the disciples coming to Jesus in Matthew 26 don't come asking, are we going to celebrate the, the, the Passover this year? They come and say, where will we celebrate? Where will we make preparations for this really important festival? Little did they know, as they, as they asked, that this would be the last Passover Jesus would celebrate on earth. Remember what this festival is all about. They were slaves in Egypt, but they were still God's special possession. And although they probably thought at the time there was no end to their suffering, yet God brought them out, out of their slavery, carrying the wealth of Egypt with them. He didn't just bring them out, he brought them out with everything that they could need. Life was tough, really tough. The cruelty they were suffering seemed never ending to them. But eventually, Pharaoh allowed them to leave. He allowed them to leave when the worst of things had happened, when the eldest son in every Egyptian household died, but no one, none in the Israeli homes. The angel of death simply passed over the house when it saw the blood on the doorpost. What was the, the, the shape of the blood there? It was a cross. It was a cross. Read the story later, it's all there in Exodus 12. God bringing his chosen people out of slavery. And this Passover began in the usual way for the disciples. 
but it ended with Jesus being pictured as our deliverance from sin by becoming that sacrificial lamb. First yeah. Peter 1, 18, 19 say this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, yeah. but with the precious blood of Christ, Amen. a lamb without blemish yeah. or defect. The Jews of Jesus' day knew all about animal sacrifice, about substitution. They knew what blood had to be shed, what kinds of animals had to be used, only the best. You couldn't take something that, you know, well, they're not so good, so we'll just use that as a sacrifice. It had to be the very best. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. The historical way was lamb after lamb after lamb after lamb. The blood that was shed was horrendous. But this is a once and for all sacrifice. The lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is our Passover lamb once and for all. And here is Jesus celebrating the Last Supper and the First Communion bringing his followers into right fellowship with him. His last supper was celebrated with his disciples now and communion with his new disciples now, this morning. We're going to celebrate that. But what does sharing in communion have to do with telling others? And how does coming to this table put responsibility on us? Well, here on, what's here on the table? Anyway, it's hidden at the moment, but you don't get a much simpler meal than this, do you? It's literally bread and, uh, bread and wine. That's it. A very simple meal, reminding us that the children of Israel had to leave in a hurry when they were eventually given the go-ahead to leave their slavery behind. So first of all, there's the bread. Matzos, unleavened bread, reminding us of his body. Verse 26 of Matthew 26, when they were there, Jesus took bread and he anti-broke it. Jesus took on a physical body when he came as that helpless baby. Listen to the words of Paul and Timothy in, in Philippians 2 and verse 5. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is, what can you say to that? He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He is the epitome of humility, which is not, as some may say, thinking mainly of ourselves, but it's rather not thinking of ourselves at all. Paul points out the attitude of Christ before his incarnation. Did he ever try to hold on to all the privileges of being God? No. He willingly laid aside his glory and he put on the form of a servant. He didn't cease to be God, but he laid aside his glory yeah. and the independent use of his attributes as God. 
As the God-man, he did not use any of his power and authority as God. The body he took on was subject to fatigue, to hunger, to lack of sleep, to temptation. Look at his three years of ministry on earth. He opened himself to people all the time. He was there for the sick. He was there for the needy. He was there for the lost. He was never too busy. He never turned them away. He was never too tired. He allowed his body to be bruised and to bleed for our redemption. Let me read to you Isaiah 53. It was funny last week, um, one of the pastors, when, he was, when we were doing the, the Passover meal, one of the pastors in the church who's Jewish, um, his mother came to Christ and his father um, was, did not want Jesus mentioned in the house. And um, Seth said, was it alright then to read a, read a scripture? He said, I don't want to know anything about Jesus. I don't want you mentioning his name. And Seth began to read from Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. We considered, and yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so we did, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a, a, a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Seth said, his, his father said, I told you, no speaking about Jesus. Stop reading the New Testament. And he was able to say that straight from the Old Testament. Jesus came knowing what life would be like while he was here. He knew exactly what it would cost him. He knew his body would be beaten, would be bruised and, and bloodied for our redemption. He knew. 
The problems in our lives come in all different wrappings, don't they? But deep down in our hearts, the pain we experience, they all have the same labels. Hurt, sadness, grief, emptiness, disappointment. Everything that happens can be put into these categories. Selwyn Hughes said, the problems in the world lead to pain in the heart. And it is that pain, whatever its label, that Christ has touched somewhere on the journey between his birth and his death. Jesus came and, and, and he, he was afflicted with everything that we can be afflicted by. Go on to chapter, uh, uh, go on a chapter, sorry, in Matthew's Gospel to chapter 27 and verse 26 and we see Barabbas is freed. But he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. The cross was a horrific death sentence. Those of you who have um, come out to us in, in Israel, and maybe you've been in Israel on your own and have visited Nazareth Village, well, there's, there's a model of the cross there. I've always thought of a, 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 the cross being this tall structure and, and, and that it would be put up and, and it was away in the, in, in the distance. Um, but it's not like that at all. It was crude and it was at the height of people passing had a seat for prisoners to pull themselves up on. They hung there. But the, the seat wasn't to provide them with relief, it was to prolong the agony. Because they used the seat to push up and it let them breathe again. And it, it was horrendous, an absolutely horrendous death. But the trail of blood began hours before Jesus' crucifixion. It started in the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweat great drops of blood. Yeah. It continued here as he was flogged and then again as he was crowned with thorns and great nails were hammered into his hands and into his feet. This was the scourging that he endured. But there was also the cursing and the spitting that came from the soldiers around because he was at eye level with them and they could do that to him. Matthew 27, 27 to 33 tells how the soldiers stripped him, put a, a robe on him, twisted a crown of of thorns rammed it onto his head and then they knelt and mocked and spat at him and struck him over and over and when they'd finished the fun they put his clothes back on him and they led him away making him carry his own cross until he collapsed and they forced another person to do it. This is what Jesus went through for you and for me and for all those outside of this building this morning who are just getting on with their lives and have not it's not just Jewish people that say we never give them a second yeah, thought. Yeah. They're all going about their business. <clears throat> and it doesn't matter whether they're in Jer Jerusalem this morning or they're in Bones. He did it out of love for them as well as for you and for me. And I ask myself, and I ask myself, does knowing this make any difference to how I behave? Does it make me aware of my responsibility to tell other people? to bring them to know Jesus who loved them so much as to suffer all of this. I am definitely not pointing the finger this morning and asking how many people have you told the strength of love. I'm always conscious when you do finger pointing that one finger is pointing at you, but there are three here who are pointing straight back at me. I know I have used this, um, this story before, 
But the story is told of three trainee devils who were getting ready to go out into the world. And this was their last exam, the last question. What will you do when you're faced with the Jesus question? So the first one says, oh, that's easy. I'll tell them there never was such a person as Jesus. It's all a fairy tale. Never existed. You don't have to worry about him. He never existed. Oh, dear. No, sorry, that's not, that's not a pass. There's plenty of documentation to say that Jesus existed. Plenty of historical documentation that says that. So number two, he says, I'll tell them there was a man named Jesus. And he was a good man. He was a really good man. But he wasn't God. Not good enough. People will be able to say, look at the miracles he performed. Only a God could do that. So number three, what have you got to say? Hope you've got a better answer. I have, he said. I'll tell them Jesus is real. Jesus lived. Jesus is God. But I'll also tell them, but there's plenty of time for you to decide. Have a good time. Live your life. Do whatever you want to do. Loads of time before you need to make any kind of decision about Christ. Of course, he's the one in the past. He'll be out there in the world someplace now. We never know how much time we have or how much time those we love have. So we need to take every opportunity to tell others what Jesus has done for us and what he's done for them too. Well, there's bread on this table and then there's a cup which is there to remind us about his blood. I was really interested in the, the, the Passover meal, that there were four cups. I know a lot of you are going to be sitting there saying, how did you not know that? Of course we all know that, but excuse me, you know, I'm a bonus academy lass, so. <laughs> um, there, but the, the third cup is called the Redemption Cup. So there's a Redemption Cup in a Jewish festival, the Passover festival, it's called the Redemption Cup, and what happens is that the, 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 the matzo is broken and the wine is filled up in the cup. So there are four cups, but actually there's only one on the table because you keep filling it up. You have to drink it all and then fill it up. So that's the Redemption Cup. Jesus was fulfilling the Passover requirements. His blood is the third cup. Drink it, he said, in remembrance of me doing this for you. And that was, you remember, it was before he actually, he, he went to the cross. But he's telling them, this is what's going to happen. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking to people. He, he used that cup. And, and remember Jesus said after supper he took the cup? It's because the meal happens and then you go to the third cup. It's all there. I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted, you know. He's talking to people at the time who knew about what, what happened at a, at a Passover meal. He, who knew about sacrifices. They had been taught the Torah. They knew the gifts they had to bring to be accepted by God. These, these books in the Torah, they're full of bloodshed. Absolutely full of it. But all of the Old Testament sacrifices actually point to the cross. The fulfilment of redemption types 
are observed under the law. But Romans 5 and 8 tells us that God loves us, he wants us, and it says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we had no thought whatsoever of him, he loved us so much, he gave us Jesus, his only son. And as Jesus was hanging on that cross, I know my name was on his lips, because he knew he was doing it for me. The next verse, verse 9 says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? God loves sinners, but hates the sin. God loves us and provides a way for us to be free from the sin. Wow. Is that not absolutely mind-blowing? That he should do that for us? Yeah. That the sins that I've committed, I know are forgiven because of what Jesus did on that cross. Wow, wow, wow. Jesus was the only one who could do it. And he did it willingly. Let me read you three verses from my favourite chapter ever in Scripture. First John 1. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Yeah. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And here it is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Wow. You don't get any better than that, do you? He has done a complete work for all time. But it's important that we say hallelujah. Amen. We love that. But he's done it for others as well. Yeah. And we need to tell them. So back for my final point. So we've got a table that has bread and has wine. And then, this is probably a bit of a cheat in with my third point, because my third point is that we have both of these items. Mm. We have both bread and wine, reminding us of the blessed hope that we have. Yeah. We have through the finished work of Calvary. Amen. It's not out of habit that we come to share communion together. We are so, so blessed in Bonest that we do this every week. We come on the first day of the week. It doesn't happen in the church that we go to in Israel, and we really miss it. Because we know it's not out of habit that we come to share communion. It points us to the return of Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Paul tells us in the well-used scripture verse for communion in 1 Corinthians 11 that we are to do this to remember him until he comes. Every time we break bread should remind us we do not know the date or the time of his return. Amen. We just need to be ready. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, I tell you now, now is the day of salvation. Yeah. No one's exempt. No one's too bad. No one's too good. Every communion service should ignite us for evangelism. So, as we look at the table, there are three calls to tell others. The bread, the body of Christ. The wine, the shed blood of Christ. And the bread and the wine together, the blessed hope that we have in the finished work of Jesus. It's too important to keep it to ourselves, so let's allow His Spirit to work through us, to present us with these opportunities to witness for Him, and to do all we can to win others for Christ. He's with us, and He'll lead us as we step out in faith with Him. Amen.
Thanks for